And just like that, guys, we are back. The second episode, second edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast with me, Alexis Yunus. I'm here with Nate once again and Lawrence, who's been on fabulous, fabulous trips this week. But we'll definitely get by. But how are you guys feeling? We got one week under our belts and here we are for another. Yeah, feeling, feeling very good. I think um, one thing someone said to me on listening to the first one is they couldn't tell me and Lawrence apart. <laughs> So this is what Nate sounds like. And Lawrence and, sounds like this. And this is what Lawrence sounds like. Oh, sound to be fair, similar. if I did close my eyes right now and had you guys say something, say something. Hello. Who was that, that sounds like Nate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, okay, I feel like I can pick it up, but it yeah. must be kind of hard, you know, when people are we listening were, to their podcast. We were considering one of us having an accent, so maybe later in the Go year on, we'll do that. Go on, put on one. Well, well, Nate is part Italian, so I am. he oh, does a very good I Italian am, yeah. accent. I do. I do a very good Italian <laughs> <laughs> It could, could get a little bit offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. I can only do Italian because it's part of my... I can't do anything else. It's part of his heritage, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, What's your heritage? Uh, actually, a little bit of Icelandic. Oh, yeah. so we could do that's some Viking one. claps after. We can do Viking claps, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Absolutely. That's pretty nice. Well, I know I've got some... some Pretty good feedback on our on our podcast as well, mainly from our coworkers who have <laughs> offered to buy them drinks anyway. So, but you know what? We'll take it. We'll take it. I say we have good banter, and that's definitely something that we hope to do well. There's plenty of stuff to talk about after this week, including which is where we're going to start some breaking news that we had this week. I know it was something that we were definitely discussing in last week's episode. Just wondering what was going to happen with the Chinese Grand Prix, and now, of course, we have heard the news that it has been postponed. It won't be going ahead on April nine. F1 is still trying to find an alternative date. And, of course, you know, we know it's left a big gap in the Formula One calendar. And it's kind of just left us all asking a lot of questions, like especially where do we go from here and probably why postpone it instead of cancelling it. So what was your guys' reaction when, you know, this news finally came out? Well, we um, we got wind of it the day before, um, but it wasn't entirely clear whether it would be postponed or cancelled. But this is the way these things tend to work. They tend to postpone it first because there's a huge amount of money at stake that the promoter, so the promoter of the Chinese Grand Prix in this case, pay Formula One. And because that money... Uh, is there and they are going to pay it. They, they want every opportunity to try and have a race at some point this year. Of course, there's still massive unknowns about the coronavirus and where we're going to be towards the end of the year, whether it will still be advisable to travel to China. Hopefully it will be. Um, but then you have this, uh, the, probably the main issue that's going to, I imagine, stop a Chinese Grand Prix happening this year is that there's just nowhere in the calendar to put it in. We have, for the first time, uh, we're meant to have a 22-race calendar. Uh, obviously, without China, it will be 21 but that meant that the end of the year was just packed full of races. So no matter where you put it, you've either got triple headers, uh, which is when we have three consecutive uh, weekends of racing. You might think, well, football teams do that all the time. They have midweek matches, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the reality of shifting everything around the world, uh, all the kit, all the cars, all those people, um, is is really, really difficult. So. And, they, and they tried that in Europe two years ago. So mm-hmm. between three countries pretty close together. And all the teams are basically like, we're at breaking point, we can't yeah. do this. And that was, I think it was France... Austria, Great Britain. And so if you, you know, if you struggle between those three, <laughs> going between different time zones is a, a nightmare. Lawrence and I were kind of looking at the calendar when this news was announced, trying to find a place for it, and it, I, I just can't see where. Without moving another race, I don't see how they how they put it on. And, and this is the thing. So if you move a race, the obvious one would be to move Abu Dhabi an extra week back, free up a uh, week before that, drop China in there. But the problem you have there is that people have already um, bought tickets to Abu Dhabi. They may have mm. sorted out travel arrangements. Um, and it becomes very tricky, and you know, and it's what's in it for Abu Dhabi. What, what, why should they have to move it? Uh, they already pay a huge amount of money to be uh, the final race of the year. So w- why should they start bending over backwards um, to allow the Chinese Grand Prix? And when they've got everything set up, 
and uh, plan for a certain date. And I think, of course, the next question that I, I had with this is just hearing all of this, and it sounds like an absolute headache. It's almost like, why just not cancel it then and just try it for next year? But I know, Nate, you were telling me just last week that China is such a big market, mm. especially now. But how big are we talking that they're really trying to squeeze it in somewhere else? Yeah, I think of all the races on the season, there's probably a few that F1 you know, would wish this didn't happen to, and China's at the top of that mm. list. In terms of the market that it's in, um, you know, I was talking to somebody, I said this when we spoke uh, on Wednesday, I spoke to somebody at a team and we were kind of almost joking that if this was a lot of other races, F1 might, you know, might have been like, okay, but this is just cancelled, not postponed. But the the postponing it just gives them as much options as they can to, to find another place. So, And it's, it's sensible to do as well. There's so much money involved in this as well. And if they can have it, then they might as well. But the thing on Lawrence's point about November, uh, if they were to put China there, that's all well and good. But then, as Lawrence pointed out to me, the weather in China at that time is, is terrible. So I don't think... Well, not terrible, but in terms of for racing, you wouldn't go there in normal circumstances. So, um, yeah, yeah, a bit of a headache. We would be talking about highs of 11 degrees centigrade, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. which, I mean, we, we've had... Get some, a, like, get some like, ice tyres or something. Some well, yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe a, not that bad. Change but, the game. <laughs> like, classic Belgian Grand Prix is often about 11 <laughs> degrees yeah. in spa Frankchamps, But, um, but yeah, if you're going into that situation, it's just, it's just not ideal. And then you've got the question of uh, trying to get all the teams to agree to it. They're all working towards a new set of regulations in 2021. It's an extra race towards the end of the year, a lot of extra hassle. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. But I think F1 is obliged uh, because of the contract to make every effort they can to try and uh, put it in there until it becomes impossible. So that's the situation we're up. And you can continue keeping tuned to ESPN and we'll definitely keep you updated on that. Time to move on now. And this was, this is the big stuff now. This is what I'm excited to talk about because it was ah, <laughs> launch week. Come on, guys. It was. Sorry, yeah. People, I, like, I, back up yeah. vocals or something. Oh, my gosh. I was in prep school choir, so I may have shamed my choir teacher with just that little, oh. But well, that was quite good. That was that was good. Quite I decent, thought you'd right? the, the pause was because I thought you were going to do some more with that, like, uh, something. I don't think, we, we kind of want people to still listen past <laughs> week two, yeah, yeah. but we'll get there. We'll probably get Nate to kind of serenade us in Italian in a bit because, yeah. Yeah. as I have to say, it's Valentine's Day, guys. Happy yep. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, where's my chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This is the present. This is the gift that keeps on giving. So shall we get into launch week? Because we've had some travels under our belt. Let's some do it. had nicer ones than others. We're not gonna point <laughs> any fingers just yet. But we'll get to that and we're gonna do it day by day, just mm-hmm. to cover everything. And we even have some nice little sound bites as well for you. We've been mixing it up. We've been working hard this week to get, you know, this episode nice and spicy. So let's start off with Monday, where it was kind of about Mercedes. And in true Mercedes top dog fashion, they had almost not one, <laughs> but two days. They were like, forget it. We're going to start the week and we're going to end the week with you. But Monday, yeah. what was all of Monday about? So Monday was the livery launch. Um, livery for anyone is basically paint job, colour scheme, whatever you want to call it. Um, Fashion show. Yeah, and this it's kind of like a football kit or something. You know, it, some of people's favourite car designs ultimately come down to what they look like on the outside. And uh, I think you know Lawrence was there, and it, it's, it's a funny one because they take the of we were he was. We, we were actually joking about it here in the office uh, in our morning meeting that you know when they take these covers off a car, sometimes if if the car underneath isn't it doesn't make you go, oh, wow, the, the, the whole reveal looks a bit silly. So they did that. But, I mean, they've added a bit of red, so it was it was basically an event with Ineos, who's their new um, title, not not title partner, premium partner. Yes, correct. 
and so they've got dashes of red which everyone was talking about you know they've added a bit of red to it but we saw it on track today as you mentioned i think it looks better on track than it did in that little hall yeah i i agree um so the whole idea of, of that event was to promote ineos uh, ineos giving them a lot of money they're working on various things so uh by launching delivery there you get a little bit more exposure the only real change to delivery is the little bits of red that are on there so it was just a way of saying look ineos are part of our team now we're doing all this stuff with them. Toto, uh, Toto Wolf, the team principal at uh, Mercedes talks, along with Jim Ratcliffe, who, uh, uh, owns, um, Ineos. And, uh, together they kind of got, yeah, a good bit of media out of it, uh, put Mercedes, uh, front and center at the start of the week. And then, as you said, by the end of the week, they come back and, uh, and done the same again with the actual car. And these things, uh, the, the car that they had in, uh, it was in the RAC club in, uh, in the center of London. It's very posh and fancy and slightly kind of, Old Manny, but um, <laughs> old Manny. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of it's, it smells a bit of tweed in there. But um, it was, but, but by the time they've uh, they finished that, um, it, the delivery was on an old car, and I always think deliveries are always designed around like the little kind of details of the cars, and so that when it came out uh, today on the actual car at Silverstone, it looked it looked really good. I saw a great meme. Um, you know, Shaun of the Dead. You've got, you've got red on you. Someone had yeah. put that, and now that's all I can think about with that car. Because he's got like a little dash of red like he's been... Yeah, because you know in that film he keeps yeah, going, you've got mm-hmm. red on you and that's the thing. So oh, that should be there. That, that was my That doesn't my input. after that though, after you get a little bit of red on you though. Yeah. But we'll see. So overall, overwhelmed, underwhelmed, just kind of much of the same from what you're used to? Um, I think Mercedes, it's, it's always a nice looking car, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. I think when your predominant colour is silver though, I think it's... You know, or, you know that that color is hard to be excited about. But they've they've done quite a nice job with like you know, more black of a gold the back. man. There's, yeah, Ooh, yeah. Gold I think all on his neck. I think if um, we'll talk about matte finishes later, but yes. there's you know if their car would look a lot different if they um, had a yeah had different colors and you know in that in that kind of format. I think, but yeah. you know what they, they actually had uh, a matte finish in 2010. The first car, the first Mercedes uh, they, of the new era was Matt, yeah. I remember seeing it fairly recently and I'd forgot and kind of, we make all this fuss about Matt cars because Red Bull did it first or everyone thought they'd done it first and then Ferrari did it. But actually, yeah, 10 years ago Mercedes had done it on this. And, uh, and actually, I don't think it did look that good. It just looked great. Rather than silver, it looked great. Yeah. Um, and, but As I was say, when you map silver, it just becomes great. Yeah, it? no, it really does. So, yeah. um, and all this money is involved. So the money coming from mm-hmm. Mercedes, the money coming from Petronas, which is why you have the green down the side and the money. So, it's, so that's why it's the colour it is. And ultimately, you know, the colours don't really matter, do they? Yeah, ultimately. It's not going to win you a championship. Well, that's very true. Someone that will win you a championship, though, is Lewis Hamilton, and that's who we're going to talk about next, because, duh, uh, it's somebody that we have been talking about, and especially everyone's been wondering what's going on with his contract negotiations and stuff, and I believe Toto Wolff managed to finally weigh in a little bit on it. I think um, it is the, the, the obvious pairing going forward. Um, we would like to have the fastest man in the car, and I guess that Lewis... I know that Lewis wants to be in the fastest car, so there is a obvious mutual outcome. But you know, we 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 travel around the world almost ten months every year. We go on our nerves every second weekend, and what we do over winter is that we leave each other in peace. And the last conversation I had with him was on the in the evening uh, before the Christmas party, um, where we had a nice chat. Uh, that we would uh, continue our discussion or start our discussion once he's coming back. He comes back from America, and we have properly kicked off the season. And um, I have great um, belief in the abilities of the team, 
to attract the best drivers. And at the moment, Lewis has proven that he is the best current driver um, with his six titles. And and on the mid and long term, I would hope that we we are we are able to continue to provide technology to the best driver and um, and attract them. All right, so it's there like he was in the room with us. I it? know Very. exactly. He sounds almost as you know nice and sultry as you two on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, everyone starts the same now, but apparently he's got a slight different accent from you two, mm. just slightly. All right, so there it is, short but sweet, I suppose. Um, a lot of speculation. It kind of just sounds like much ado about nothing. He's kind of like chill. This is, this is fine. Yeah, I think we said it last week, didn't we? That they are very chilled out about these things. And the mm-hmm. more I hear, and the, the just everything that happens, the more I just think we'll just get Lewis staying at Mercedes, which I don't think is a bad thing. It's, it's a good partnership. But when you start thinking about Lewis to Ferrari, it's quite a nice idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm almost certain in my in my head that he'll stay. Yeah, and just to skip ahead a little bit, um, talking about Ferrari at that launch. Uh, Mattia Bonotto said that Sebastian Vettel is their number one choice uh, for 2021 and onwards, uh, which we didn't necessarily know uh, prior to that launch. We, we were thinking that maybe Ferrari would look to make a move for somebody else and that we didn't think that maybe Vettel and Leclerc could live with each other. But at this stage, uh, it looks like they're going to try and pursue that and try and keep uh, Vettel in place. Um, but I guess a lot of that, and when that contract's signed, I reckon a lot of these contracts will come together around summer, uh, will depend on how the relationship starts off early in the season. Uh, but if um, if everyone behaves themselves, then there's no reason for them to move elsewhere. See, Lawrence just wanted to reference his trip to Italy earlier. Listen, that's what I was about to say. I thought I was the queen of segues, but Lawrence yeah. just no, no, that's perfect, the little overachiever I'm, that he is. I'm detecting a lot of jealousy. <laughs> <around this table. laughs> Which, well, when, yeah. Don't worry, Nate and I got some miles in our book. We we may not have needed a passport to go yeah. there, but we'll get to that later on. But Lawrence basically just wanted us to let y'all know that he went to Italia. So we're going to fast forward to Tuesday because it was a little thing um, called the Ferrari launch, wasn't it? But before we get your, you know, your take on it and everything that happened, please have a listen to the wild music (laughs) that they started with. sounding was that that was absolutely an um, epic entrance there i, I know that say, wasn't nate singing that was a snippet okay this, a, this this went on for about four or five minutes yeah. um of that was it, it was a full orchestra wasn't it full orchestra of? with a dj which i've not seen before so dj <laughs> in the middle orchestra uh, conductor up on stage violinist up on stage and then a choir that walked down the middle of the theater it's in this beautiful uh, 18th century theatre in uh, Reggio Emilia. A uniformed and, choir too. They're all well, it's a bit of, it was a funny uniform. It was a white yeah, t-shirt <laughs> and jeans. Which, I don't know, I, I felt like that was probably the one thing that maybe didn't fit everything else. But anyway, oh, yeah. they, they came down singing. Their voices were <laughs> incredible. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, and it was just um, quite something to behold. Did you get and, goosebumps? And, 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 Did you feel like, I'm in Italy? Yeah, it, it, well, I don't know if it, it doesn't seem very traditionally Italian, that music. I don't know. I mean, no. No, you, 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 you're from the, <laughs> Nate, you're from the area. Yes. Uh, it didn't sound very Italian. Um, at the start, when they started doing it, I, I, I text someone who was there saying Ness and Dorma because it, it looked like the beginning of an opera. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was it was odd. It was like they were trying to do like a bunch of different styles of music in one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I quite liked it. You know, everyone always says that 
that launch week has kind of become boring. It was a bit weird. I, I wasn't expecting it, but it was kind of. It makes it. it you remember it. Yeah, and, and, it and, and this was before they got to the ballet dancing and the acrobatics, yeah. which came afterwards. So you know, they, it was a full-on show. And you, you're right, now, I, I think if you're going to do a launch, if you're going to kind of mm. fly, or people are going to have to fly out to Italy yeah. to go and see it. So overall, it met your expectations and it sounded about as extra as I am, which I love. I got a lot of time for being extra. So did it just meet or surpass your expectations? I, yeah, it exceeded them. Definitely. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It exceeded the expectations because um, we, we knew it was in a theatre. We knew that was going to be great. Mm. Um, my, my seat, we, we, the media were kind of put right up in the nosebleed seats at the top. Um, we had a little box with three of us in there, but it's very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we were allowed to go down and, and uh, ask questions to the drivers and team management. So um, had all everything you need from a launch, and it had a brand new Ferrari at the centre of it. Well, I mean, as my dad always says, to whom much is given, much is expected. So with all of this kind of epic launchness going on, then does that mean we're expecting big stuff from Ferrari this season? I think we always expect big stuff mm. from Ferrari, don't we? It's um, they're the team that you know we're going to be near the top but it's just quite how close and uh, the pressure's um, definitely built on them over the last few years they've underachieved and uh, this is their last chance with these regulations uh, to, to get it together and you kind of felt towards the end of last year they were doing that um, there's you know some things on the car which I think we'll talk about in a second uh, that suggest they uh, that, that, you know they're going to make progress in, in the stuff they were finding at the end of last year so the hope and the expectation is there, but it's just whether they deliver on it. Because we had the same expectations last year. Uh, we we mm-hmm. all thought they were going to go into Melbourne and beat everyone, and uh, and they qualified 0.7 seconds off the pace of the Mercedes. So um, we won't make too many predictions yet, but the expectation is definitely there. I remember Nate <laughs> gave me a couple of hits that we did, and he was building yeah. up Ferrari and made some bold predictions, and they still just didn't really, they broke your heart slightly. Yeah, I, I really went over, I, yeah. I just believed it at testing last, after well, week one, I, I, the, the, know, it was, it was, it, it looked really good. Yeah. And then it very, very quickly became apparent that, it wasn't, it wasn't even that, it was. It, it wasn't misleading. You know, they were very good in the first week of testing. It was just the fact that Mercedes then caught them up so quickly with because they basically bought a, a new car to the second test, and then by Melbourne, it was. You know, it just looked like it was going to be a, just going to be a one horse race. And, and by the time Ferrari did get it together, the championship was really done. So it was. It was a shame. All right. Well, speaking of the car, as Lawrence alluded to, Mr. King of Segways, I'm just going to give you a shirt for that too. I owe you a shirt already, you do, though. Yeah. Snap! I need to get yeah. on two shirts now. We do have some audio as well. Let's hear from Sebastian Vettel, of course, and Benotti's in there as well, talking about the design of this fabulous car. Being all extreme on all the concept as much as we could, uh, we developed the car, tried to to look for the maximum aero performance as first, trying to maximize maximize the downforce level. So the entire car, the monocoque, the power unit layout, the gearbox has been really packaged in a way to have a very narrow and slim body shape. I think that it's quite visible on it. Uh, we worked on all the, the components, the suspension. The suspension has been designed to have greater flexibility when being on the racetrack. So obviously it may look very similar to last year, but believe me, it's very completely different to the one of last year. And... Uh, a lot of concepts are very extreme on that car. As Mattia touched on, I think uh, it's uh, an incredible achievement. Obviously, a lot of uh, hours that go into the car. 
I like it a lot. I think uh, we had the opportunity to obviously see it a little bit before and to have also a direct comparison with last year's car and you can really spot the differences, especially when it comes to packaging and the back part of the car, everything sits a lot tighter. So uh, there's a lot of uh, work behind that because it's not so easy. So we found some clever solutions uh, to be able to achieve that. I can't wait to drive it because it, obviously that's more exciting than looking at it. So uh, one more week to, to wait, but uh, I think it's... It's fantastic. It's also a little bit more red than last year, so I think it looks great. A little bit more red than last year, <laughs> which is kind of funny when you're thinking about Ferrari. Yeah, thank you for staying with us during Mattia Bonotti. I know, uh, Mattia nearly long. lost me halfway through there, to be fair. Seb yeah. brought it back, thank goodness. But, um, I was enjoying that. This is, this is the key for this bit, isn't it? Is Lawrence is Lawrence, we, we're just going to label this bit Lawrence Gets Nerdy. Because <laughs> this is exactly what he's about to do. So extreme concept and all of that kind of stuff, a bit more red than last time. What did you make of it specifically? I mean, what, what what's the biggest significance or the different biggest change, I suppose, from last year? So I think the biggest, uh, the most significant thing is that there isn't actually a huge amount of change in the overall concepts of the car from last year. So uh, Ferrari really struggled at the start of last year, um, not having enough downforce. That had an impact on basically not getting the tyres to work in the right window. And uh, it created this downward spiral in performance. Now, they weren't awful. You know, they were still finishing races as either the second best or third best car. But it wasn't enough to, to match Mercedes. And they started to get a hang of that, uh, of, of how to um, basically change the, uh, the aerodynamics of the car to, to get the tyres working in a better way uh, from the Singapore Grand Prix onwards. And then this is something which they've built on uh, this year. Now, they talked about extreme concepts. And mm-hmm. it's quite hard to see, like, something very extreme on it. You know, it's still a car that looks fairly recognisable uh, to any uh, Formula 1 car that's been you know, built recently. So we're not talking like super extreme. We're not talking like you know, three a wheels. six-wheeler or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like kind of Tyrrell um, 1976 levels. So it... it was a little, little name drop there. I yeah, know, so I was about to say, goodness, uh, what doesn't this man know? Um, so Why does your head stay so small? <laughs> <laughs> um, back to the car. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, but I think what they've done is a lot of stuff under the bodywork. So the p- mm. uh, packaging of the engine, uh, he mentioned the gearbox as well and the rear suspension. And uh, they're trying to tighten up as much as possible. And their real target, their massive target this year, because they didn't have enough of it last year, is downforce. That's what they need to do. That's everything that they've uh, been working on is working towards that. And with that, they're going to sacrifice some of the um, straight line speed they had last year. But that's fine because they had straight line speed uh kind of in excess almost um obviously you always mm. want your car to go as fast as possible down the straights but if it means that uh, it's not creating the downforce through the corners then you're going to lose out overall so they're trying to readdress that balance and uh and get a car that works from the very first race because this is the thing if you're going to beat mercedes this year i think you have to be on it from uh melbourne and uh, and not let up and that's exactly what ferrari are trying to do with this car that's my favorite le- word that i learned this week downforce mm. Yeah, you, you mentioned it a lot in McLaren. I did. Yeah. It was, it was funnily enough, as I was saying that, it's funny that, you know, Ferrari, of course, are focusing on that because when we went to the McLaren launch, that was something that literally everyone kind of mentioned, at least in every interview that I did with them. Yeah, you'll hear it whenever you go to these launches. And as Lawrence said, it's the key, the key thing. Um, Ferrari doesn't, it's got the best engine now, or it did for mm-hmm. large parts of last year. So the key now is to beat Mercedes at the circuits where straight line speed is less important and, that you're going to win or lose races based on the strength of your. It's basically how well your car sticks to the uh, sticks to the ground and is still able to, you know, to maintain its fastest speed. I guess is the simplest way of putting it. Um, and a bad car, you'll always hear they say we need more downforce. You'll hear that all mm-hmm. year. Williams last year, I think, they must sit downforce every 
every time there was an interview. So yeah, and, and it has a multiplied effect because if you don't have the downforce and the tires don't work and they kind of start to scrub across the surface, so they uh, surface of the track, so they overheat, and so you have these downward spirals in uh, in performance if you don't have that downforce air. And then if you do have it, you're going faster through the corners, which means the air speed over the car is faster, which means you're creating more downforce anyway. So if you can start to find a concept, and it's all about this, you know, people talk about front wing changes, they talk about, you know, uh, small little things here and there, little kind of fins and stuff like that, but it's the whole concept of the car that you have to get right. You can't just take, like, a little bit of what the Mercedes has here and drop it on your car and expect it to work because it might not create the uh, the downforce in the same way. It's all about this overall concept. And uh, the, I think, the uh, like I said, the important thing for Ferrari is that they're sticking with what they had. Even though it didn't work immediately, they believe there's a lot of potential in it. And uh, and key to these cars, because there's been no real regulation changes from last year, is to kind of look at where you were last year, uh, the areas where you were hitting roadblocks in terms of development, and uh, remove those roadblocks with major changes that they couldn't have made during the season, and then basically open up avenues that you can start to go down and explore and find new downforce uh, until uh, you get to the 2021 regulations, which they're already working on. And then it's a whole different ballgame again, because uh, you're creating downforce in different ways. So. Yeah. All right. Downforce wow. is the word. Downforce yeah. is word the day. word, and clearly that has been Lawrence gets nerdy. <laughs> Shall we move on now to Wednesday, which shocker is still all about Lawrence? Um, because Lawrence was this is the most active I've seen him on um, his Instagram stories. You know, from posting of hard launches at Ferrari in Italy, and then he put up a lovely little morning post about like, oh, just got to catch an early morning flight to Paris now. <laughs> so okay, there was a story behind it. I know it doesn't sound that bad, but I'd originally planned to get a night train from Milan mm. uh, over to Paris, and mm. um, I was relying on a train from Reggio Emilia where the uh, Ferrari launch was to get to Milan, and uh, I was left myself a good kind of hour of time at Milan if I, you know, to, to get the next train. Anyway... This train turns up at time Reggio Media, then it loses 55 minutes somewhere. So oh, I, 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 I turned up at the platform, there's just nothing there. And it was midnight in Milan. And Milan Centrale is a beautiful station, but it's not, it's quite a, a rough place to be at 12 o'clock when you're trying to file your Ferrari coffee as well. So then I had to get a taxi and then the plane the next day. Oh. It's, it's tough. Yep. It's tough going to Italy and France it's, it's for a car It's tough launches. going to Italy and, and, and France. And, you know, getting free food and, oh, and all that gosh, kind of stuff. And you know, getting treated to a nice, like, orchestra it's, and it's mini it's opera. It's not all it's cracked up to me. It's not all it's cracked yeah. up and to me. And you went all that way to Paris and they didn't have a car there, wow. which was hilarious. <laughs> like, they got there and everyone's like, where's the car? And I go, here's a picture of it with... No paint but it was kind of cool, on. though, wasn't it? This is, of course, for Renault. I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, obviously, I'm a novice at this, but... I think if you're going to have a launch... You should have. There should be something there. Like they had the drivers mm-hmm. there, which I guess is what they would, and they they would say that it was good for their partners and their business and you know, all this stuff. But ultimately, if you're a fan or if you're the media, you're like, well, we want to we want to see something. We want to talk car. about something. And even if it's even if it was an all black car there, you at least get you at least get to see it. And it always looks better than a render. I think you know the rendered images they give, mm-hmm. and they gave weird angles of the. So we, so we haven't well. seen the car until we haven't, we haven't yeah. seen anything of the nose. So there's some speculation that they've done something interesting with the nose of the car. Yeah. So we will have to wait until Wednesday next week when it comes out in testing. But um, they they kind of had a, a a reason for not having a car. So last mm-hmm. year they also did a launch and they basically had a 2018 car there. This is Renault, by the uh, way. I don't know if we've this is Renault. Yeah, yeah, we have, we, have we don't worry, I mentioned it. Okay. Oh, you did. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I, I just <laughs> sorry, Lauren, I just I, no, that's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Cut you off mid flight. Pretty important. Pretty important information which team was talking about. Um, anyway, so they had the 2018 car, and then they put the, the new wings on it. But they, they, we got there, and they said, well, you know, here's our new car, but it's not actually our new car. And they felt, you know, wh- wh- why are we doing this? And 
uh, they're still working on the car. They're still putting it together. Uh, Cyril Beatball, the um, uh, team principal there, said it's in pieces at the moment, but it's on its way to uh, Spain to be put together. And I think they're doing a filming day before uh, before the actual test starts. So um, but F1 teams just don't have their cars built at this point of the season, Lawrence. Well, they? this is what this <laughs> is what sort of because is like. That, that there's no point in turning up here with you know an old car because we just don't have you know, no teams have cars built at this yeah. time of the year. Meanwhile, apart from <laughs> in Silver, at Silverstone, <laughs> at Silverstone, Red Bull really? uh-huh. fully built car. Yeah. It went on the Going track. Right? It was on the track. Yeah, doing a hundred kilometres. Yeah. And uh, and looking pretty damn good as well. That's, yeah, a, that's a good. Nice. In my opinion, that's a good looking. People car. were saying that, and this is an, another livery chat. People were saying they didn't change it, but I think that's been the one of the strongest looking cars for a long time. And the great mm. thing with Red Bull, whenever you see it, it or their cars always just look so fast. The way they're designed, they're just yeah. There's just something about them. You look at it and you always think that that's going to be a contender at certain yeah. places. It's Adrian Newey. So Adrian Newey is um, the he's not actually a technical director there, but he's he kind of stands where he's their kind of like technical guru. Uh, and he still has quite a lot of involvement on on the cars, even though it's less than he used to have. Um, and he's, I think, I don't know if I'm entirely right in saying this, but he's certainly one of the very few designers who still stand at a board um, in in his drawing office and uh, sketches things out by hand. Everyone else is using you know computer stuff. So um, he's he's there very doing organic, that. Organic, and, like and exactly. And I think there's a little bit of, and I think that's a little bit why they look so good because he's actually been there sketching it by hand and um, obviously he's not making it to look nice, he's making it to go fast but um, but with Adrian Newey the two always seem to come together and uh, yeah there's some really nice little features on that car. Alright so with that said we can finally push Lawrence to the side <laughs> and get to the real bit, the real launch that went on and that is because I attended my first ever Formula One launch Nate brought me on. I wasn't his plus one. I actually had a legitimate invite to this one. And forget Paris and forget Italy because Nate and I went to the beautiful, quiet area just outside of London of Woking, England. Did I say it nicely? Um, actually, it was a lovely place, to be fair. I've been to Woking plenty of times. Big up my Woking massive. And it was for the McLaren launch. And I was promised a spaceship and... It delivered. I even said that I was going to keep sending Lawrence videos to show up his Italy and Paris trip, and he threatened to block me by midday. So, ever so efficient in time. Proper <laughs> Englishman. Um, so, I didn't send it to him, but it was lit, man. It was yeah. litty to titty. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was cool seeing, uh, like, taking you there and seeing you react to it for the first time, because the McLaren Technology Centre... I mean, it's it, it's a shame you only got to see the conference center bit of it mm-hmm. because the whole facility is is crazy. And I remember saying to you, it's like it's kind of like NASA, uh, which is or, why he's wearing his NASA shirt today. Show it off, or like the UN. <laughs> so the, the 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 area where we actually spoke to the drivers um, and to the to the team bosses was in in this kind of in the round. And you you genuinely you've got like this 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 conference suite yeah. in front of you. It's the crazy. most comfortable media chairs I've ever sat on. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, and, but um, it was cool because you just enter and then. Lawrence is like, we're going to go like underground now. And I was mm. like, what? And then you literally, and there's a nice like McLaren car just carefully perched just outside. Of and we, we went down and it was just amazing. It was almost like you just literally step into the future kind of. Yeah. And it's, it, it's striking at the moment with McLaren in the form they're in. You see mm. this incredible facility and they haven't won a race since 2012, Ooh. which I think is, you know, and obviously they've been, they're working to, to change that. But it, it, it's always very. That's always what strikes me when I've been there. And um, we saw it when we walked in. There's that that wall, isn't there, with all yep. the all the, mm-hmm. all the uh, years they've won. And save for 2008, where Lewis Hamilton is, there's nothing from you know the this this millennium. Um, and we mentioned Adrian Newey. 
you know, he was a key part of their last spell of dominance, and they really haven't been able to get anyone else in to replicate that. So, um, yeah, was, that's that's what's that's what's on the agenda for them. And I mean, like you said, you, you go in there and you just see the amazing facility, and you go, goodness me, how much does a launch like this cost? Or you think of the money just involved in that in McLaren, and you think that when you know when I was speaking to obviously a couple of the key figures and even the racers themselves, the drivers, they were saying how. Obviously, now it's not realistic to try and compete with a big three um, because of, you know, until, I guess, the, the little salary cap or the, the money, I guess, you know, comes in next year. But And you're thinking, well, if you can't even compete with all this money, then how much are they spending? You know, it's just it, outrageous. It is the funny thing, though, because you go to um, Mercedes and you go to, to some extent, Ferrari, and the buildings aren't anywhere near as impressive. Uh, so... Uh, McLaren, this was during the height of their dom- dominance that they decided to build this um, beautifully architecturally stunning uh, mm. factory. And it has things, it has a huge lake out of one side, which helps cool down the wind tunnel when that's running. And uh, But even in that time, like the wind tunnel's kind of gone out of date and they're uh, actually updating it at the moment. They're putting a huge amount of investment into it. That's one of those things where, you know, that, that's where they need to kind of make the gains because uh, even though they have this beautiful facility um, it all matters about you know the machines inside it it's not about the building uh, you know it doesn't count for anything yeah. um, so and I th- one of the stories that often goes around about about that factory is that um, it's so big uh, that it actually segregated a bunch of the departments so uh, the communication that they had before uh, when they were running out of a smaller factory was actually much better and much easier than it became when they moved to this big one and everyone was all in different bits and you had to walk through a promenade and over a you know down the tunnel and you know up a lift and all that kind of stuff just to get a spanner and, or something yeah exactly yeah <laughs> uh, just to get a cup of tea and um and so yeah it's an interesting one but uh as i'm sure you both um kind of got the message uh that they were trying to put out there they, they finally think they've got the team together to start making progress again and their big target as is the case with really all the midfield teams is to make a big step next year when the regulations change because you know this year fine if they get fourth that's it's a, it's a good achievement but they're yeah. not they just don't have the ability uh, to bridge the gap to the top three. It's crazy. I mean, the car was absolutely gorgeous. I'll mm. tell you yeah, that. Really I nice, mean, really, nice really, really nice car. And I was saying, I don't really like matte on cars, but I'm thinking of like full on cars with a full matte wrap that I know has become very popular as well. But it was really, really nice. And the whole, the, the reveal with the flashing lights and whatnot, it was I felt like I was at a movie, so to speak, or almost, it kind of, I had to stop and be like, whoa, this is sports still, you know, this is work we're kind of at. I was ready to like disco light, get my glow sticks out, start doots, doots, and then I see them wheel up the car and um, I realised, whoa, that was pretty nice. Yeah, I loved it. I think it's the best one we've seen so far. Um, we are recording this on Friday before Alpha Tori though, so if that looks awesome, um, then apologies <laughs> apologies uh, but um yeah it, it looks great and um you can see a lot of there's some concepts on the it, you know the car looks like it's a lot narrower in places and i mm-hmm. think they've got james key who they brought over from toro rosso um and i think that this is really the first car he's had complete control in designing um yeah so uh, i guess a lot of a lot of pressure on him but um yeah curious to see how that how that thing does yeah, well, I think we'll definitely talk a little bit about that um, in a bit. But for now, I thought the coolest bit for me was we finally got to talk to, you know, two drivers. And that was really cool. I know that, of course, well, I've known of Sunday Signs before, as we call him, funny bit of that. You'll get to hear in a bit. And then meeting Lando Norris. And I really liked him. Like, I thought he was quite candid. And, and just yeah. he made me feel excited for the car because you could see how excited he still is just you know to to be a part of McLaren and I know of course he's still well he's no longer a rookie and he's no longer a teenager 
as he reminded us. Mm. Um, but he's still so excited about it and especially all the changes coming for it. So I almost um, want to keep an extra eye on them now. Yeah, and you, you mentioned you've spoken to a lot of athletes in your job before and he, he is very refreshing, isn't he? Because yeah, he's, 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 he's just, just kind of younger. raw, which is, which is nice because you know, of course, once they get into the whole professional aspect of being a professional athlete, um, they come with the same old, same old diplomatic answers, not to give too much away, not to give, um, you know, too much personality, so to speak. But he was very, very candid and very kind of refreshing. And it was cool that, um, I got to speak to them. And you know what? I, I'm playing up Lando a lot now, but, um, Sunday Signs was good. I just have a listen to a little bit of what we had to talk about. I think, Nate, you loved this one. Um, last season I had a cool design, but I don't know. This one looks more as a, as a race car. And I think, uh, I just hope it's just got on track. Um, no matter how, if a car looks great or, or terrible, um, the real thing is how it does on track. Pretty good year last year, we have to say that. Pretty good season, of course, with your podium finish. Our colleague Nate Saunders likes to call you Sunday Signs because he okay. says you always deliver on a Sunday, but I'm sure you can on Saturdays as well. So what's the expectations for this season? Yeah, well, thanks, Nate. Yeah, Nate. Yeah. Nate for, for that. Uh, I like the... I think it's obviously very important to be quick on Sundays. Um, and yeah, looking forward to build on that this year, keep performing the same way, hopefully with a bit faster car and a driver that keeps delivering the same or even better results for, for the team and, and, and even more consistently. I think that's the key in the battle of the midfield, but also the key if we want to start closing the gap to the top teams. Sunday signs. Sunday signs. Official. He loved it. It's now official. Now all our our, our nicknames for them. At least we've got the first official approval for this one. Charlotte from their media team said to us when we left that he he loved loved it. it. And then he said, is it a bad thing? But it's definitely better than being Saturday signs because it would mean he only does it in qualifying. Exactly. But no, he, he was... He was really good. He loved it. Look at me using yeah. Nate's name to get and some clout. To, to, get a, to get another science-related meme going, myself and Chris Medland, who I'm sure we'll have on this podcast before, works for Racer Magazine, was on Drive to Survive, the Netflix series. Um, we will sing Sweet Carlos Signs to the tune of um, Sweet Caroline Sweet by Nada, Neil Diamond. And it works so well. Yeah. And then, And then whatever place he finishes, so fourth place, third place, never seems so good. Oh, nah, nah, nah. you clever little yeah. sausages. So, no, I think me and Chris just have way too much time <laughs> between these races, but uh, it's become a running joke that we have. Um, but yeah, um, I'm a big fan of science and a big fan of Norris. That's probably my favourite driver pairing on the grid. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, just speaking about the cars too, I think both of them, um, after that, I did... Um, ask um, Carlos a little bit in Spanish. We did a little Spanish clip too, and he did say that this car specifically is just you know smaller, slimmer, and, and sexier, if you will. And he almost went as far as to say that this could be, or at least so far physically looking, he thought it was the best car that McLaren's had so far, which is wow. quite a bold, just, quite a bold statement, isn't it? Yeah. I thought um, <laughs> now we're expecting championships, <laughs> and that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because they're saying all this, and they know that the best they can do is fourth, just the way. Yeah. Yeah. And Science said something really revealing in that. You know, he had such a good season last year. Realistically, the best he can do this year is just to match that. Yeah. You know, in most sports, in football, in baseball, whatever it is, if you have your career best season the next year, your natural thing is, okay, I want to, whatever is better than that, I want to go and achieve that. Whether it's, you know, uh, you win one race, you want to then go win five or six or whatever the next year. In Formula One, at the moment, he can't, he can't just say, okay, this year I'm going to try and finish fourth or third or get a few more podiums because the F1, the way it is right now, such such an imbalance in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. So you can s- sense there's a kind of a bit of frustration there, and it'll be interesting. He said it'll be interesting to see how he can keep the intensity up when you know you turn up every weekend knowing that seventh, unless things happen ahead of you like it did when he got that podium, 
really is the best you can do. So, um, yeah, it's a weird situation. But it, that, that was one of the things that stood out for me was that the, the, all this hype about this car and they're very excited yeah. about it. But You're fourth, still only chasing fourth, fourth, yeah, fourth is exactly. the championship they're going for rather than first or whatever. So the, the other side to that is if you are driving that situation, you need to keep performing at that level and you always need to be the best of the rest because you might get a call up from one of those big teams, yeah. you know, that's still fluid, the driver market situation mm-hmm. going forwards. And I think Carlos has started to put himself as one of the drivers next in line for a, for a top seat if one, if one comes up. It's not entirely clear which way he'd go. And I can actually see him staying at McLaren for quite a bit longer. But, um, but that's, you know, that's the incentive when you're in that position. And okay, you might not be able to get a podium because the car's just not capable. But if you can finish, uh, fourth or fifth, you know, every race, it, people do notice. It's like Bottas um, is a good example of that. Yeah. You know, yeah, so sure. consistent at Williams. And then when Rosberg retired, Bottas was mm. the man who, I mean, he, there was other reasons, but you know, he was in that position because he had, um, such strong form at Williams. So it's a very good point. I think something else that stood out to me as well, just watching that, especially because, um, all of last season, Nate, you know, we did a couple of hits too, and we were constantly just kind of zoning in on that partnership slash relationship um, between, you know, Seb Vettel and Lissy Leclerc, Charles Leclerc. We know that I need to meet you, Charles, and then we're going to throw it at him and hopefully he <laughs> understands what I'm trying to be, but he'll know it's a good one. Um, but, you know, we're just constantly looking at there and that, I don't want to say the animosity, but we know something's there, you know, whereas for this one, when they were talking about Lando and Carlos, it was like a bromance and even the, the videos before shows them like jogging together, training together, and it's like that kind of big brother, little brother banter and, you know, Lando mentioned it as well to me how it's cool because he's like I look at him as like my brother now like a big brother and I, that you could genuinely see that they do enjoy I suppose or right? you do have that they understand their roles more I feel than I've seen some others too and, and Lando is perfectly happy with just absorbing everything you know from Carlos even though he did say don't call him a veteran of F1 yet he's like I'm only 25 don't <laughs> age me yet you know and I thought that that was funny and I guess that that could be it's I've sensed that there was and it's that McLaren and everyone around it seems to be a, even though they're just chasing fourth right now which they said there's no shame in I feel like they're quite excited with what the future has to offer for them yeah just talk about that bromance uh, it's an interesting one because it's definitely there it's definitely genuine uh, mm. you see it on social media if you follow either of them that yeah. you know, they're often <laughs> playing off each other's stuff and taking the piss out of each other and stuff like that um, but that's when you're in a team that can only finish fourth. It gets a little bit more interesting when you start fighting for championships. And we've seen it before, you know, I mean, um, Nico and Lewis in 2013, you know, they clearly there'd always been that rivalry between the two of them. But it didn't really kick off in 2013 when that car was, you know, just kind of getting the odd, we got the odd win uh, and, and a few podiums. But as soon as it became super competitive and they were fighting uh, for the championship in 2014, even in Bahrain, uh, which was, I think, the second race that year, um, they had this amazing fight on track. And then afterwards, they were, like, cuddling each other and kind of, like, play-punching each other in the uh, in Parc Ferme immediately after the race. By the end of the season, all of that kind of, you know, fun and games had, had disappeared and mm-hmm. it became incredibly serious. So, um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see um, McLaren up at the top, but it would also be interesting to see how that would affect that relationship. So, so basically, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, because, I mean, and you know, the, the, these guys, um, I think it makes sense to be friendly with your teammate you know i don't see any point uh in ever kind of trying to create that hostility especially when you're further down the grid we saw it at force india with esteban ocon and sergio perez and this was a team that desperately needed points because those points could turn into money at the end of the year and um and they were just throwing them away and and, and in the end the team had to come down and say no you know you guys have got to uh, try cleanly or we're going to take some serious action on this and uh so it makes sense at this stage while mclaren are looking to finish fourth and just kind of do the best they can get the old podium that those two are um are friendly but uh they're, they're you know they're super competitive as well get them on track mm-hmm. together 
<laughs> and they'll, uh, they'll go wheel to wheel. How did you compare it to like other things you've attended? In oh the my goodness, world? it was times fifty. And I mean, I've been to like football launches and stuff, either new cleats or whatever. I think just the facility and the magnitude of it, um, which is what. Stuck out to me, which is why I was thinking to myself, you know, when I came home, and all of them. I mean, we spoke. To, I spoke to Zach Brown for a bit, and he was just saying, you know, there's no shame in chasing fourth again because they realize that you know the amount of money that the other the big three spend is just ridiculous and that's not in their plans right now. I was thinking, goodness me, how much really are they spending? Like, hey Ferrari, <laughs> <laughs> fly us to Italy. <laughs> so, but it was good. It was good to see, and I think. um I'll definitely keep an extra extra eye on Sunday signs now that we can officially call him that because we have signs. gotten approval. Yeah, that's literally signs endorsed nickname. Now. That is a signs endorsed nickname, it's and that was all Nate it. up top because Nate came up with that. But I guess we can call him Saturday signs. <laughs> I came up with it. He added a bit to it. So now <laughs> we just have to get to Litty Leclerc and see if he'll approve that. Lawrence, I'm gonna leave that in your hands. Okay, let's see what we can do. We get. <laughs> I can't wait for um, job for week one testing. <laughs> I can't first, wait. First question in the press conference. Um, quick question, Charles. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about Litty Leclerc? I, I don't s- think it sounds as good coming from. Yeah, you. Yeah, I, I would just accent. love for him to be like. Could you explain could you what Litty is? And, and, and I would struggle. <laughs> <I'll be honest. laughs> That's what I'm saying. I would pay to just see Lawrence explaining Litty. I, I don't think I can. I think we're going to have to have a, do a briefing. We can before, record me on the phone doing it and then just yeah. be like, one second. Yeah. And then just pull it up and boom, shakalaka. Could be the way to do we're it. We're in there, in there. Cool. Well, of course, McLaren was absolutely brilliant, of course, because I was there. But um, that's not all that's left. There's more it's stuff Friday. coming. It's Friday. Today. Exactly. Friday today. And apart from Valentine's Day, there's some other stuff going on, guys. Mm. So which, which well, speaking caught of, your eye? Speaking of Valentine's Day, Alfa Romeo had their car on track. Yes. First time had a nice little... Uh, Valentine's Day um, heart on the back of their car and the snake skin kind of yeah which looks awesome I and um, they did that. the same last year and then they revert to um, white and red colours um, but I, I really like it and we were, this actually got us talking about if teams could almost Stick have a livery for testing and then there's a big reveal before the Australian Grand Prix that it, it might just get a bit more interest mm. up and it means you can kind of play around with them a, bit, a little bit but. change the wardrobe a bit yeah I mean that was pretty out there like a snake skin kind yeah. of uh, livery yeah, I've not seen something like that before, but it's it's very cool. And like, but why not do that? And the great thing about this was it was all kept secret as well. So yeah. you usually get an email before saying we're going to put our car out this time. You know, look out for the photos; they'll be online. On this, they just kind of you know put a few posts up on Instagram, a few little teasers, yeah. and then uh, showed the whole thing. And it looks it looks mega. The other thing today was we saw the Mercedes that we've already spoken about, but actually yeah, on track for on the first track. time. I know we saw Lewis Hamilton just posted something about it, so. Yeah, and this is the this this is also what Lawrence was saying. I think it, the pictures we saw today it looked it looks so much better than it does when it's in that kind of dingy little mm. hall. Um, but yeah, the, the Mercedes it's the car they've got to beat. And right now, all of those all those uh, engineers and mechanics etc. All the other teams are looking at that car and thinking, you know, oh, can we beat that? And looking at the little details, seeing if they've added anything major. I, I, I like that you just referred to the RAC as a dingy little hall. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Sorry. I meant yeah, din, din, I mean, it's quite old fashioned dimly, dimly lit is what I meant dimly not dingy lit. hall that wow. dingy little hall I like Pal Mal definitely, I'm definitely never going to be a hall. member there now I, I mean I've got no chance <laughs> they're not even going to come and repair your car oh, when you break man. down it's, it's all over <laughs> um, it's done Lawrence what else caught your eye uh, so yeah the, the Mercedes caught my eye and um, also Lewis kind of getting back to 
the theme of our first podcast, which mm. was uh, Max saying, Lewis isn't God. Mm. Um, Clapback season. Yeah, and so uh, that was put to Lewis um, by the Mercedes presenter herself. And uh, I don't know, can we, can we roll that in now? I, I mean, it's, it's, I find it funny seeing that. I mean, I've, I've just always known to just do my talking on the track. Um, often I tend to see that as a sign of weakness, so. Boom. Ooh. Sign of Clap weakness. Clap back season, and not even season spelt properly. It's S-Z-N. Yeah. And that, I love a little clapback season. And I mean, that's, that's simple. It's true, as you say. And I mean, he's mature enough to pretty much to say that. I'll do my talking on the track, and so far, so good. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just Lewis through and through, and it's he's so comfortable with himself, and this is why he's been so successful recently. Uh, compared to the guy who came into Formula 1 in 2007, he's just mm-hmm. so comfortable in his own skin, and he you know, he doesn't care what other people say. That That is genuine what he's just said there, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how that one develops over the season, because we saw it towards the end of last year a little bit. Yeah. A few little flashpoints on track, a few little words said off track, um, and it seems like it's going to continue. So for us, for the journalists, brilliant, because it gives us um, a nice little narrative to play for, and if they're both fighting for the championship, that could get really, really interesting. It's got all the ingredients of a good championship fight if they keep this up. Yeah, the, the only other thing to mention from today is the launch of the Alpha Tauri, or Alpha Tauri, depending on how you... Uh, say you might not recognise that name, and that's because uh, it's the Toro Rosso team uh, that has changed name. Uh, the Toro Rosso team we've known since 2006 uh, has kind of um, had a bit of a makeover, and uh, by now you probably would have seen the car. We haven't seen it, yeah. but we're very excited, um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what it looks like and uh, and what they do with it. But still the same team based out of Fienza, which is actually I really like that team because it's the old Minardi team, mm-hmm. and Minardi has history that stretches back to like the 50s. But they were uh, big in F1. Uh, well, they weren't big in F1. They were very small in F1 in the uh, 1980s and 1990s. They were like the perennial backmarker. But they were yeah, just like that lovable backmarker. They were, yeah, exactly. Always, yeah. And, always rooted for them. And, and a real survivor up until um, they got taken over by Red Bull. But um, but the, the, it's a very cool little team based out of a place called Faenza, which is near Imola, uh, which is a famous old Italian racetrack. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to put out the new car. And it's yeah. going to be and the new team really. Yeah. And they're still, I mean, they're still a Red Bull team. So AlphaTauri is their clothing oh, range. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, they've obviously decided they need to market something else in Formula One rather than just energy drinks. Um, I'm quite curious. To, I mean, people will know what it looks like, but it, it's always nice when you've got a completely brand new car coming on or brand new like look or team because you kind of at this stage you're guessing about what it looks like. So this is Lawrence Edmondson describing the Ferrari. 15 seconds, go. Enzo Ferrari once said that if you ask a child to draw a car, he'll draw it red. And the Ferrari is even more red than it was before. Wow. There was still three seconds of of dead time there. (laughs) But love it. Definitely do, do we have beforehand. to like use it the 15 seconds? <laughs> well, I thought you did. I just, you know, but I you, thought oh, you said okay. that. I well, said, no, 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 no. You can yeah. use you can use I, I, 15 I, I, seconds I, I, however I, you want. I think. Oh, I like. Okay. I, 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 I felt the simplicity of focusing on the. I've, I've already done all the technical yeah, stuff. Yeah, we yeah. did that early in no, the I like it. Oh, I like it. Simplicity. No pressure. You're not going to get any technical stuff or Enzo Ferrari, aka Mesut Ozil quotes from me. I mean, the resemblance is uncanny. Seriously. It's, we'll check that for you just soon. But yeah. trust me, it, it was doing the rounds and I was like, this is wild. Are you Mesut Ozil in disguise? Are you Mesut? Or Enzo Ferrari in disguise because he came first. Yeah. Well, all that talk aside, you've got to beat Lawrence now because I think um, that was a pretty yeah, so I'm start. Dec- 15 I'm, seconds, oh, 15 Alexis seconds. Nunes to describe the McLaren. Go. Okay, so the MCL 35, it is slim, sexy, stunner. Lando Norris said it's more like his baby, and the matte orange on it reminds me of a nice setting sunset back in the Caribbean, which you know best place in the world. Bye. 
Oh, that's good. Thirteen point <laughs> eight. That took. And Lawrence is around the eleven second mark. Be- better use oh. of the time. Better I use think. of the time. I think. Way more I wasn't sure if we'd have to come in under. No, or... I mean, but uh, I mean, both of you lose marks for not using the because last oh, week, right. last oh, week, right. Lawrence got so like. Lawrence took like five seconds last week, didn't you? No, no, he, no, no, he, he oh, said no, yeah, yeah, I got it within a couple of attempts. Yeah. But, um, so I think yeah. that if if you can if you can do it succinctly and finish in time, then you get ten out of ten. Oh. I think Alexis oh. wins. I liked I liked Lawrence's, but you mentioned wah, you mentioned wah, the Caribbean. Wah. You mentioned the name of the car. <laughs> you mentioned what it the, the design of it, what it looks like. And I use a semi quote from Lando Norris, yeah, which. Exactly. But for I feel millennials that's harsh beats Enzo Ferrari. Because I'm not going to do any preparation quote. next time. Lawrence is a great quote. And also, I felt the pre- my, I, I, mine was meant to be evocative. It was meant, you're meant to build the image of the car in your mind. Just from <laughs> I did get misty eyed when you brought yeah, Enzo Ferrari. Exactly, yeah. mine, as an Italian as but well. First yeah. of all, Lawrence pre prepared his own. Mine was just that's why on the car. I was just dropping Well, she says it was off the car. You can't see. So Alexis has found the side by side. And that is. Genuinely un- uncanny, the two of them. It is unreal. I was telling you, I saw it because it was doing the rounds on social media a couple of years ago, probably. But basically, Enzo Ferrari passed away in 1988, I believe in August or so it was. And Mesut Ozil was born in October 1988. So Google I mean, this can, now. It is incredible. Google it uncanny. now. Because yeah. trust, if you believe in reincarnation, you never know. I do now. I, I, do I didn't at the start of this podcast. It's but. crazy. I mean, except for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Little nugget of knowledge, thanks to me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Love that. And I think that brings our our lovely show to a close, guys. Been another lovely day, lovely week. It's been a litty week. It's been a good one. I yeah. know Lawrence, I think, had the best week, but you know what? I won the 15 second challenge, so bye. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I mean, on, I don't know if I'll be here next week for you guys. No, I think the plan is we're going to have a um, well, we're going to have two shows coming up. One from each week of testing. They'll be a lot shorter. Um, but it'll be kind of bite-sized episodes. The first one will be on Wednesday, after the first day of testing, mm-hmm. and the second will be the final after the final day of testing, which is the 29th of February, I believe. Um, and Lawrence and I will both be doing those on location in Spain. We'll probably try and get another journalist on with us. We'll discuss some of the quirks of the first day. We'll obviously discuss the running order, and we'll just, um, yeah, we'll see what um, the lie of the land looks like going into uh, both going into the second week of testing and then going into the Australian Grand Prix. So, uh, but you'll be missed. We'll, we'll, we'll try and... Uh, we're, uh, we're not going to... I'm not going to say Lissy Leclerc, but... Uh, oh, come on. You need to do it, and you need to get it, like, approved. I got I got Carlos Sainz to sign off on Sunday Sainz. Yeah, that's true. So it's the least you can do for me. Just do it as, like, my Valentine's Day present, guys, please. <laughs> cool. Well, I think now would be perfect to plug, of course, our social media accounts, at ESPNF1 on Instagram or Twitter, because possibly soon we'll open it up to taking questions and comments, of course, sure. for you guys, the gurus. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone who's got any comments about the show or any questions mm-hmm. about testing, please send them in. And, we'll, and obviously on that Wednesday, um, there'll be plenty to talk about. So we'll um, we'll try and get through some then. Yeah, start sending them in now. Might as well. Absolutely. As soon as you hear this, this get into Twitter start straight sending away. them and we'll start compiling them, the nice ones, be nice. No keyboard warriors, I'm talking about you. Um, and then we'll definitely get them answered for sure. Perfect. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you guys again sooner. Hope you listen to us again soon. <laughs>